capitalism, the economics of private ownership, allows resources to be concentrated in private hands. This characterization misrepresents the true nature of capitalism. There is no such thing as private ownership. Behind every capitalist is a socialist state. If the externalization of costs is intrinsic to socialism, privatization is just a different species of socialism. All private enterprises externalize costs onto society and future generations, as do all communist systems. Ownership is defined, online, as the condition of owning something. Owning means possession in this context. But of course, this is as deceptive as it is illustrative. Most judges would not agree with it. Many criminals might. It at least opens the door to the debate as to what ownership really means and how do we legitimize the state of ownership. This question of legitimacy cannot be addressed without considering the issue of justification. It is one thing to possess something, it is another to prove possession is a legitimate form of ownership. It is quite another to prove that even legitimate ownership is justified form of ownership. To clarify the issues, let us assume I find a nugget of gold. Depending where found and under what conditions the issue can become complicated. I could just pocket the nugget and if I am not challenged the legal and moral issues would be rendered moot. But while finding something might sidestep the issue of legitimacy it does nothing to setting the issue of justification. But surely if I have a certificate of ownership signed by an agent of the state and made out to my legal person, then my legal person would be considered a legitimate owner of said property, as indicated by the affidavit. But legitimate is an ethical term meaning as prescribed under law or fulfilling the legal requirements as given by law. But we are aware the law does not confer legitimacy in every case. There is a higher court that justifies the law or, in some cases, invalidates it. Laws permitting executions without trial, or which remove the rights of citizens, are considered unjust. This reference to unjust legal statutes is a necessary step to understanding what makes a law just, but the idea that there are unjust laws and a way to determine their validity creates an almost insurmountable problem for lawmakers. If some laws are unjust, what justifies law in the first place? On what grounds are laws enacted? Is there even such a thing as a valid law? Our Western democracies say private ownership is permitted by law, though the validity of this legal ruling is contested. Many other people think private ownership is unwarranted and wrong. There is a reason and logic why laws can be challenged. People know this possibility exists and they know the justification of law is not unquestionable. This is why the issue of the legitimacy of the law is not looked at too closely by the state. The justification for law is grounded in a doctrine we live by, but few approve of. An odd state of affairs to say the least. But it is enough that governments do not broadcast the true nature of law to their citizens. Some call the human condition the state of nature. We are said to live in the same state of affairs all creatures live in. The state of nature says, eat or be eaten. Those are the options. Translated into human terms, the doctrine of power puts it this way, might makes right, and the end justifies the means. In the days of tournaments and knights, martial prowess was the main determinator of moral virtue. King Richard and his knights were lauded as beacons of moral virtue because of the success they had against the Moors. But in the end, the rule is kill or be killed. The law only regulates the contest somewhat. 
Truth during medieval times was often decided by one's ability to survive a test of martial prowess as was a lady's honor. It was not an age in which bombast carried a person very far. To go back to the earlier scenario in which I find a nugget of gold, we understand that so long as no one else sees it, my ownership is secure. But what if it falls off a truck into the middle of a street and a dozen people see it fall? As I am the closest, I grab it. But can I keep it? If I am a child, weak or look as if I am person who can be victimized, I might have trouble hanging onto it. If I am a known drug dealer with a coterie of thugs to back me up, my claim will be more secure. This highlights the basic truth about claims of ownership. Without the physical means of establishing and defending your claim, the claim itself is moot. Criminals certainly are not impressed by certificates of ownership or signed affidavits. If you lack the means of defending your claims, directly or by proxy, expect the property to be stolen. If this is so for the individual, it must also be so for the group, including governments. The state without an army is prey to the rapping of neighboring states, as the experience of Ukraine suggests. Even so, does the history of Elizabethan England suggest that England's claim to their empire was justified? Nelson, notwithstanding, military genius is only sufficient for as long as the genius exists. France's claim on the North American continent was only as good as their military, which proved insufficient against the ships of the Royal Navy. Which suggests the history of the world is the history of power and its self-legitimizing force. After all, if power justifies ownership, what would justify power more than the power to destroy those opposed to the exercise of power and, indeed, the rights of power? Russia did not address the legitimacy of its war against Ukraine by reference to a first-order principle or a moral authority that was beyond reproach. Russia looked to its military as its source of legitimacy. Of course, Russia faces a problem. If it loses the war, the loss would be a sign the war was not legitimate. What is the difference with me finding a gold nugget and pocketing it, and England finding a continent and planting the Union Jack on it, other than the scale of the capture? What is the difference between me having a gang to protect my find, and England's use of her navy to protect her empire? Or for that matter, what is the difference between being victimized because I do not have the ability to defend what I found, and Francis's loss of the 100 years war, and with it, her North American holdings? If there is no legitimate justification for owning physical things on a large or small scale, what significance is there in being given a property deed or bill of sale? Without the illegitimate power of the state to enforce its paper certificates of ownership, the deed is as significant as a monopoly card. If we did not make the thing, we have no right to own it or trade it. It is not ours to market. The only marketable item mankind creates is equity, which is value added to the things of God. There is then a path to the legitimization of ownership. There is a way to justify ownership. It is a solution modeled by God. God who created the natural world owns the natural world and we, who created none of it, have no legal avenue by which to press any of our claims to it. But we can own the value we add to the assets of the world. This makes us citizens. Even if you prefer to reject the God hypothesis, the proposition that God exists, you are still in the same position as us Christians. Humans have no legitimate claim on the planet, and you cannot devise a reason why you ought to own something you had no hand in creating. All you have without the rights of a creator is the power of a group. 
but then, the bigger group with greater power has the greater right. There is no legal or philosophical pathway for man to lay claim to the earth. Even if a group is willing to use force to support its claims, they face the prospect of competing claims, not only from larger and more powerful groups, but from the natural world itself. No group can act as if the world belonged to them. Every group is forced by practical and philosophical considerations to include others, even other species, and their stakeholders group. This fact forms the basis of the environmentalist movement. No group, no matter how large, can act as if they are the owners of Earth with supreme power. It just will not work. Once a group understands that physical force and military might is not a legitimate foundation for ownership claims to be made, both private and public ownership models lose credibility. Once private and public ownership models are falsified, capitalism and socialism also lose credibility and must be discarded. Much more could be said, and has been said in other places, about these ownership models, but for now we will look at what we have left. Once private and public ownership have been rejected, what avenues remain for groups to explore? We must begin from the position that God owns what he creates. That being said, his ownership gives us a model for ownership of citizens to what they create. As citizens, we own what we create. Citizens do not own the stone or clay with which we work, but citizens own the value added to the substrate. Citizenship is the economics of value ownership. Mankind cannot rightfully own assets as we did not create them, but we do and can own equity we create as citizens. We own the value added to assets if we own the political jurisdiction in which they are located. Equity is all a citizen can market. Equity is produced in the form of preferred shares. As a form of currency, preferred share is contracted to prefers and issued in multiples of the prime unit, as is common with all forms of conventional means of exchange. We are paid for the value we create, but we cannot own the assets to which the value has been added to. However, a nation or community is not its assets. Boundaries correlate somewhat with geography, but the true designation of a political jurisdiction is the artificial lines of longitude, latitude, and degrees. The citizens of a political jurisdiction own the artificial political jurisdiction citizens through their works of faith, create. For example, Canada is a bit more than 150 years old. The land and other resources are far older and its settlement by people is also much older, but the nation as a political entity is relatively young. Those who created it own it and have the right to bequeath it to their posterity. These are the natural citizens of a region. They are not subjects. Subjects are the property of a state. As Canadian citizens, we do not need anyone's permission to own what we created. What we as citizens create is called Canada. Canada is a political jurisdiction owned by Canadians that is by Canadian citizens. We have a right to protect it, that is the value we created, against all enemies foreign and domestic. The same goes for our communities which are political jurisdictions owned by citizens. A citizen is a resident that added value to the political jurisdiction as part of its creation. Local community is a wholly owned subsidiary of Canada owned by its citizens in perpetuity. Each citizen has a voting share and an account. The political jurisdiction owns the equity of the jurisdiction. Citizens use value-added assets to create even more value. 
Citizens are paid for the value they add to our assets by means of preferrers credited to a citizen's account. All work that adds value to the jurisdiction is credited to the account of the citizen who added the value. All consumption is paid for by deduction debits from the citizen's account. All work is paid for, and all consumption is debited from a citizen's account. Only citizens have rights and only citizens have accounts, because only citizens have added value to the assets that give citizens their rights within their political jurisdiction.